And welcome to Reactive Team Robots podcast. This episode of the podcast is sponsored by Get Ready Comics for all of your comic books, games, Loungefly, Loungefly rather, and more. And we'll get to Loungefly in a moment. Go to getreadycomics.com. And of course, what would the Extreme Robots podcast be without my co-host, the one and only Mr. Chris Wilkins? Hello, Chris. Look at you all big on the screen. I'm going to make you both appear. Ta-da! Yeah, that was a bit Technology. scary there. Well, you thought it was just, just going to be you for a, for a minute. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, it's almost, I would be like, I've never done that before. Um, yeah, good to see you, Glenn. How you doing, mate? Yeah, all very, very well. And I'm excited today because in our little waiting room at the moment, just waiting to come on, is not just a competitor in Robot Wars, not just a, a winner in Robot Wars, not even just a champion, the current champion, Chris. Yeah, really, really excited to hear. Uh, when, well, we might as well announce who it is, but I'm really looking forward to to hearing their thoughts on their career. But also this year, because uh, you know, as we spoke about with Will, it's it's not as straightforward for this person as it was last year. So I want to see what they've got in store for the second half of the season. Absolutely. One more quick thing, of course. This. Uh, episode of the podcast is sponsored by get ready comics and just up here today we will be giving away as promised our c3po disney lounge fly bag courtesy of get ready comics but we will be getting to that later and i believe chris you've got a, a plethora of lounge fly bags uh, around you as well yeah you know they say practice what you preach um i think i sort of single-handedly keep get ready comics afloat but with this room <laughs> behind me at the moment for those that are listening it is literally like a comic book store uh the ghostbusters light behind me that's from them but i'll, I'll quickly show you my <laughs> range of bags that i have um uh this is uh, a freddy krueger bag i am quite a horror nut so that was um a big part of my childhood probably why i am like i am this is the batman Loungefly bag from Get Ready Comics. Very, very cool from The Batman, the latest one. I have a Jedi bag here, complete with a zip with um, a lightsaber on it there. Very, very cool. Um, this one's coming with us to Disney next week for our little girl. Uh, Spider-Man bag. And it says, with great power comes great responsibility. <laughs> Something I have to live by every day now. And lastly, but no means least, I have the Friday the 13th Jason Ma Hockey Mask bag there. So... When they say, you know, oh, it's just a partnership. No, no, I live this stuff and you should too. <laughs> so get yourself down yes. to Get Ready Comics, get one of these fantastic lounge fly bags. The quality of them is phenomenal. I, I turn heads wherever I go, Glenn. I know, and and, and, and then you get the back, that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, uh, ladies and gents, it gives me uh, a great, uh, a great manner of pleasure to introduce to you the former Extreme Robots heavyweight champion, the captain of Team Inferno, and of course the incumbent, the current reigning Robot Wars champion, one and only Mr. Michael Oates. Michael, welcome to Reactivate the Extreme Robots podcast. Hi guys, how are you doing? Very well. All the better for seeing your lovely smiling face. Good. <laughs> so, straight to it because I said to Chris yeah. that. I wanted to kind of book bookend your your career a little bit because because I think it's it, it's very fascinating to somebody who maybe doesn't know and I know everybody knows who you are in Robot Combat because uh, you know you've carried the prestige of being in and and I mean this with the utmost respect to all other uh, types all other programs but I think we can still say that to this day Chris Wilkins has just decided to leave the chat, but we'll carry That's on. He'll pop, back He'll pop back in a second. Um, Chris has left the chat. Um, was because you you are the Robot Wars champion, a Robot Wars champion, of course. Um, when you look back at 
how did you start out and when you started out did you go i am doing this with potentially becoming robot wars champion what was the first robot and what was the moment where you went yeah i want to do this um so we probably the same as a lot of people um especially sort of my generation we grew up watching the original run on tv um so me and my dad used to watch it together when i was growing up um so i would be like I think we tracked back that we watched it when I was like three, four years old, probably. Um, mm -hmm. And dad used, dad's always been an engineer. So he always had a vested interest anyway. Um, and we both liked watching it together. Um, and then I got all the toys. So he used to go into Toys R Us and there were little toys with all the robots in the arenas. Um, and I was obsessed with it. I didn't have any other toys. That's all I really cared about. Um, and then when I think it was about six, um, mom and dad said, oh, we should build build a robot and like go and do something. So we went to roaming robots at the time. Um, actually, no, before that, we went to the filming of series seven of the original one of Robot Wars in the audience. Um, was that when it was um, in London? No, it was in Nottingham in an RF hangar. Right. RF Newton. Yeah. Mm. Um, so if somebody's really keen and watches through all the footage of series seven, there is a clip of me and my dad in the audience from way back when. Um, <laughs> I, know some, I know someone's going to do that now, Michael. Yeah, somebody will do it. Well, Mentorn tried to do it for the new series, and even they couldn't find it. So um, <laughs> good luck to whoever that is. But I distinctly remember it being there. Um, so we did that, and then we went to Roaming Robots in Preston. Roaming Robots, of course, being a 20-plus year company that is now Extreme Robots, um, mm -hmm. and got started through that. So um, we built a little Antway. Um, Mum and Dad asked me what... I wanted to call it and i said winner which i think sums up my personality <laughs> <laughs> and we um harassed somebody called john finley until he put up a little ant weight arena at one of his events and we started turning up from there so that was the start and didn't i won't say we did it from when i was six with the idea of winning the tv show in mind if you've got to remember back then the tv show got canned and got taken off um sure yeah we just did it because fanatics basically it was my hobby and i wanted to pursue it as much as i could and then by the time the tv show came back around um i'd won a number of championships um i think eruption had been multiple heavyweight champion by then already on the live circuit mm -hmm. so going into the first series i think i was everyone's odds on favorite to win and then that didn't happen and i think after that that really spurred me on and for the next two where i got to the final i was really determined at that point so series nine was the first one you you brought series eight, one series eight so it's a series so you were do you think you were the hot favorite coming into well or at least the, oh. the, the yeah people the were saying backstage that they got money on eruption to win and then oh, we came yeah. nowhere close <laughs> So interesting that, that that kind of setback then spurred you on for, for yeah. what eventually happened uh in the final. And and so let's let's jump forward to that. You and Carbide, uh the the grand final, you both waiting there for the results. When they said, Okay, well, we have to we have to announce the winner and it all went quiet. What goes through your head then? I I think at the time I was fairly confident we got it. Yeah. Um, Is that a roboteer's we, knowledge? Like you went, you know, yeah, what, if I, just, 
yeah. that's just Michael. You just have the, <laughs> the feeling, you know, like we were in control for the vast majority of the fight. Um, mm -hmm. At least the, at least two out of the three minutes, I think eruption was in control. Um, but yes, so I wasn't as sweaty as you probably should be. But, <laughs> but given it's the final and how bad I wanted it, like we were properly nervous by the end. And then you saw the emotion came out. Yeah, of course. When the decision came through. Just talking about um, eruption as as a robot and and your experiences with it. Obviously, you know you you'd had a, such a phenomenal reputation on the on the live circuit with your you know fleet of robots. But did you, because of the com uh, the competition nature of Robot Wars and it you know being a knockout as it was then as opposed to yeah. what we do where we tour, did you sort of get any um, thoughts about possibly building something that you know a lot of people were at the time with the spinners or or, or more sort of different sort of weaponry which which became quite it was the kind of the thing to do during those later series is it all yeah i think had it gone on longer probably um i think as it stamp i'd never build a robot for a single competition i don't really view it that way um to me building a robot something that we take a long time to do um it, uh, to me, especially at heavyweight level, when there's so much work and money that goes into them, they're more of an investment. Mm. Um, and you see that with Eruption. We've, I've been driving Eruption now since I was like 12, 13 years old. So it's really stood the test of time. So I'd rather build something that we get a huge amount of use out of. And I think as much as the spinner probably is the weapon of choice, and probably as, in terms of weapons gives you the most advantage, it's the most destructive, it's probably the most simple. Um, the fact that we'd been able to run eruption for years and years and years prior to robot wars gave us a different advantage over a spinner that had just been built and obviously didn't have that experience behind them. Um, and also you've got to remember going into robot wars, extreme robots didn't used to run spinners up to that point. So it was the only heavyweight spinner competition in the UK for the last 10 years. So it's kind of a different deal were it to come back now where the spinners have a regular home to go and fight and practice versus back then and if you wanted something to be battle tested you had to go down a different route and i think that actually in effect balanced robot wars out quite well had it gone on for more series it would have swung more to the spinner side um but i think that's what kept things like flippers with a fighting chance the fact that they had all the pedigree and the experience and the reliability where the spinners didn't yeah and i mean you built a you know a flipper that had an incredible amount of power uh, an aggression inside that arena so although it didn't have the spinning weapon once it got a robot in the air the damage it was causing was kind of matching it anyway in terms of damage in terms of scoring <laughs> and winning fights yeah damage literally probably not if you're getting damaged by eruption then you've done a pretty bad job <laughs> um would probably be the way most people look at it if you're, if you're getting catastrophic damage from a flipper you've done something wrong um but yeah i think in it definitely held its own in terms of being competitive and it gives us a bit of an idea in terms of your process then so you know i'm sure glenn will talk about it in more detail in a bit but with the robots that you've brought onto the live circuit since eruption it must be quite a big deal for you to go down the route of starting to build a robot and to actually take it into the arena because obviously you have 
you know, you've got pedigree, you've got history. So there's an expectation for everything you build anyway. But as you said, you, you know, you are building things for the long term. So once you commit to a project, it's, it's, it's a big process, I, I presume. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you compare sort of the way that we go about it, Will, who was on last week, um, we've probably built a tenth of the robots they ever have. Um, and it's it's quite interesting to see the two different approaches and it works out. I think it works out to the same result in both ways. Um, you know, like Will and Ian have built, I think they want to like, he's just been messaging me the last few days saying, oh, I want, I'm thinking about building this and this and this. Um, and like for them, they kind of have tried so many different ideas. Um, and then they'll do it a bit more quickly, a bit more cheaply, maybe without committing as much. And then when they find something that works, they hone down on that. And then those are the ones that keep. Um, I think me and my dad are maybe on the other extreme where we'll plan something for years and years and years. And then when we get it, they tend to be the ones that we keep for a long time. Um, so there's pros and cons to both, you know. Will's got more experience with a wider, a wider range of robots. We've got more experience with the ones that we've kept for a long, long time. Um, people go about it. We've, I've got three heavyweights, which is the ones that you see on the extreme robots tour, um, um featherweights, um, ever. So if you talk about, about a significant big robot above an ant weight, I've been doing this 20 years and I've built eight, you know, um, something. Yeah. Like John has probably built that in a year. <laughs> <laughs> um, there was actually a question, uh, kind of related well, to that. Yeah. Have you ever well, made a robot uh, with a spinner as its main weapon? And if so, what was it? So even at a smaller level, did you ever did you ever choose a spinner as a as a weapon? Yeah. Um, so we've got a featherweight spinner that's still active. Um, it was ran a couple of months at a competition. Um, it's a bit outdated now. Was it a lab Ten years old. Um, yeah, lab man. Yeah. Um, so yes, we we ran that in this side competition um, in tag team with Will and his spinner. Um, so yeah, I built that when um, I think I was like 13, 14, I built that. Um, I was kind of like I kind of built that one to make a point because um, me and my dad have always done it as a joint project. Um, like. So our father and some bonding time in a way and it's um we complement each other well so we've always worked on robots together um and like, especially when you're 12 13 and your robots start winning um you get a lot of people making the comments of oh yeah you're only doing well because your dad makes the robots for you um and i thought absolutely not i'm not having that so i built that one the first robot i ever built was a spinner that i did completely by myself um and that's just to prove a point that spinners are so easy even a 13 <laughs> so how much of this because since i started in in combat robots never mind you know, just extreme robots but um you have always been known for looking oh i don't know looking fairly dimly on your spinning counterpart heavyweight robots now how much <laughs> is... yeah i hate them <laughs> But how much of yeah. that is 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 genuine, and how much of that is well? I, I've become known for it now, so I'm going to play up to it a little bit. It's a bit of both. Okay. Um, I 
like I said before, I've always, I always view robots as an investment, um, mm -hmm. especially the heavyweights, you know, there's something like implosion. It's such a huge amount of work. It's something that I want to build to last, um, to put on a show to the audience. And to me, it's kind of an advertisement of what I and my dad as well as the other half of the team, what we can do and what we can put out into the world. Um, to me, because I see it as an investment, a spinner hasn't really filled our goals in that it either goes one of two ways. You either build one that doesn't keep up with the competition and then you mm -hmm. put all this work into it and it gets destroyed. Or you build one like Zadkiel that's now tearing up the competition and dominating, which is obviously the route we'd want to go down. But then if you do that, nobody really wants to fight you anymore. Mm -hmm. So you've put all this time and investment into a robot that you're now kind of struggling to get any use out of because nobody wants to go in the arena with it for obvious reasons. Um, so that's always, that's been the reason I've always held back on building one. Um, I think were there another massive competition like Robot Wars, I would be tempted because it's clearly now the way to win. Um, they've got the development is as such now that I think in a big competition like Robot Wars or BattleBots, you're really playing a losing game with a different weapon. So I'd be tempted in that sense. Um, but I think the touring format that Extreme Robots has got is mm -hmm. very beneficial and it keeps things balanced in the way that we handle the spinners. So in that regard, I'm not interested. I'd rather do something like Implosion instead. So that's interesting because obviously when I uh one of your well, newest robots when i started was ignition and ignition yeah. was designed to outlast i believe it has a bit more armor than it was, it was yeah. you know a, a more heavily armored yeah um so the, the, I, I was quite interested by that because I thought, oh, well, what, you know, after winning with Eruption, which is a high pressure flipper, what, and, and now understanding the difference, and you've highlighted it quite interestingly there, between having a knockout competition or a televised competition or something where it's a day or two days and, and, and done yeah. and you go all out to compare it because well, me and Chris often use go on it's not it's not so much that it's more with extreme robots i'd say it's almost more of a test of longevity because okay mm -hmm. each round or each competition itself is only two days but it's two days and then two days three weeks later you've not got mm -hmm. a year between series to repair yeah. when you're considering yeah. we're people with full-time jobs and um, three weeks in between very quickly mm -hmm. turns into not a lot of time at all so if oh. anything it's there's more abrasion there's more it's more about durability and lasting even though they're spread out over a period of six months because there's just so many and one of the things we were talking about with with will on the the last episode actually and i'm sure you'll sort of back this up as well is the level of competition this year in the live shows has been probably the highest it's it's been i mean you know that's reflected in you not running away with it this year michael um yeah. but um you know and so obviously, as you say, that the, the the work that needs to go into the robots in between, I can imagine, must be be harder. But I suppose in a way that must be slightly satisfying as well when you do get to work on them, that the competition is there. And that I was going to ask you actually about motivation. What keeps you motivated now? That's a really interesting one because I found, in particular after the Robot Wars win, there's kind of a little bit of a strange feeling of, great really happy that i've got it this is what i always wanted now what 
Um, and I think I'm kind of finding that again this year. Um, and that's with implosion. That's kind of where my motivation is now because A, the competition's getting better. The competition's really stepped up this year, which I think is great. Um, even I found it boring when I ran away with it last year. Nobody wants that. <laughs> um, we need people to keep me on my toes, um, which is great. And for me, the thing is with eruption, I've been, I, I mean, I love eruption. It's my baby, obviously, but I've been driving it now since I was 12, 13 years old. Um, there's not a lot I'd do to improve it to be honest, even all this time on, it's still kind of at the top of the game with the flippers. Some of the rest are equally as good, but it's still at the top. Um, so for me, implosions now giving me that sort of new motivation and that new challenge of trying to develop something completely different and find a way to win with something else. So my, my sort of motivation, my goal at the minute is if I can get to the end of the year and implosion is dominating in the same way that eruption has in the past that's a major win is that part of the 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 new challenge as well is that i know will alluded to it uh will captain team quake with uh getting getting used to driving a certain way and then inventing or making a robot that now has an entirely different weapon system which means does it does does it change the way because you don't drive implosion the same way you drive eruption yeah no it's a completely different style of robot and it goes beyond the driving it's completely different in every way the the pneumatics is way more complicated mm -hmm. um it's completely different design so both from an engineering and a driving standpoint the challenges are completely new um and there's not as much of a template to work off either you know the flippers there's so many of them that iron ore manta ripper eruption they all kind of learn off each other um mm -hmm. like you start to see people are now putting like flappy side wedgelets on which we brought on eruption a few years ago and sort of people see a blueprint of what works and then everybody can feed off everybody else's experience um with an axe there's only really thought mm -hmm. it's the only one and there's only so much development that jason can do himself so and obviously not wanting to copy Thor's as amazing as it is, we don't want to rip off his design. There's not, it's not as well known as how to do it. Um, so yeah, it's massively different. I think like what you've seen so far from Brentwood to Newcastle, it's not been working properly at all. It's been working well enough to do all right and put on a good show, but mm -hmm. it's been leaking gas everywhere. The weapon's not consistent. Um, and we tested it last weekend and we think I don't want to jinx it, but we think it might be working properly now. So I'm hoping Colchester might be at some big moment, you know, fingers crossed. Yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing it at what you would feel is full pelt, because when we've seen the yeah. demonstration of that axe, it is brutal. I mean, I, I sort of worry for the robot that's on the receiving end of it when you finally get it all exactly as you, as you want it to. I mean, potentially you could cause some quite critical damage to your opponent if you get it in the right way. Yeah, I think that's that's the beauty of an axe because kind of there's that's what I think makes like especially a flipper axe fight really exciting because it's not the same as a flipper going in with Zadkiel where it kind of almost feels like a suicide mission and they're just driving into the shredder. <laughs> with an axe, they're probably not gonna get their robot written off. But equally, 
it becomes more of a driving fight and there's always still that little bit of risk there's that little bit of adrenaline the little bit of risk that they might still get a killer shot that causes a huge amount of damage um i think that sort of risk reward style of that fight makes it really exciting oh they've been and so what, what what's your favorite style of fight if you could line up four robots from the world of robot combat right now and you could put them in the arena together it doesn't matter where they're from whether they're, they're an existing robot wars robot that still exists somebody that's been on BattleBots, somebody on extreme robots if you could put four robots in and go this is going to be the most entity regardless of pneumatics regardless of spinners regardless of anything just yeah. carte blanche what, what would be the most entertaining fight do you think in the world right now to you i would have the if it was going to be a four-way fight with four robots, mm -hmm. I'd put in the four most dominant robots of each category. So That's you'd have the best flipper, the best axe, the best spinner, and the best crusher. And the chances are, like I've alluded to, the spinner's probably got the advantage, but with it being a four-way, anybody who's that good is probably going to know that. So do they team up? Yeah, yes. well, um, you, you know all about that. Exactly. But for me... For me, the, the best fight is always when you've got the best robots. It's that simple. Yeah. Good stuff. Right. Chris, quickly, I'm going to, because some of these are related, uh, yeah. some of the questions we are on social media. Thank you to everybody who left messages or indeed emailed. Thank you so much. And I'm going to get to one. This is important. So this is from Amy Day, who is eight years old. So Amy sent this a while ago, okay? And she said, I would like to ask Michael from Eruption, what is your favorite part of Eruption? Mine is the spinner on top of the flipper in Series 9 of Robot Wars. I think it's really clever that you thought of that. That's from Amy, aged nine. So she, uh, uh, aged eight, rather. Or maybe aged nine now, considering it was sent a long time ago. Um, so, yes, what is your favorite part of Eruption? Because here's the spinner bit on the top. Um, it's got to be the weapon. Like, the, the, the big flipper, it's got to be. That's the characteristic thing. Um, it's always fun to throw a robot into the room. Um, I actually really like and people call them gimmicky, but I actually really like the sort of like the wings and stuff. I knew you were going to say the wings, off. Michael. I knew you were going to say the wings. They just look cool. um, I'd, I'd love to have them on there full time, but just the upkeep of them when we're doing six fights in a two hour show has just been a little <laughs> bit prohibitive. Um, especially when they used to fall off every time we drove it into the I was going to say, like, when um, Mega Mouse just doesn't bother with the ears anymore. Yeah. Oh, I've not seen Mega Mouse with the ears for exactly. years. Uh, they've vanished. Um, but I'd like, like to me, I, I, I mean, like the, 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 an acronym STEM, right? Um, but they've started calling it STEAM recently to put art in there. And I think combat robotics really defines that. And I think it's, if, when, when you see a robot that's really good, it's not just a machine or a piece of engineering. It is a piece of art as well in the way that there's an elegance to a really good design. Yeah. Um, I think I think the sort of the looks and the styling of it is a big part of it as well. So yeah, I think that's important. Well, I think that's important in all parts of of, uh, of where technology meets entertainment. Because even with an extreme robots live show, you don't get me wrong, the robots are amazing and the arena is amazing and it's all amazing. But it's much more amazing when there's big screens with videos and lights and all of that stuff as well. So the the art design yeah, that goes yeah. into what a show looks like and the production values of a show. And like when we had people coming up to us in Newcastle going, wow, this is amazing. We didn't expect all this. And we're like, well, yeah, because, because like you said, I, I like the idea of calling it steam, not STEM. Mm. I'm going to, I'm going to, yeah, yeah, that's good. And the, and the aesthetic of, of a robot is kind of similar in a sense to 
you know, to, to one of my great passions with, with Formula One, really. If you see a Formula One car and it looks good, generally it works well because the look is defined a lot by the aero work and the aero work is what makes yeah. it, you know, as good as it is. And I do find if you if you see a new robot and it looks good, it's been well thought through. It generally tends to work pretty well too. And I, I mean, definitely the case with Implosion. Yeah, I think that's, and that's where I think we want to take all of the sport and extreme robots going forward. Like if you think back to the early days of Robot Wars, it very much was a box on wheels with a spike on the front, um, which was great for the day because it was a novelty at the time. And obviously times were different, but I think if an audience turned up now and saw that, they'd be um, very disappointed with the experience. <laughs> so we, we really want to sort of be putting out the most exciting robots we can. And that's both in terms of their performance and the appearance and having a sort of distinct character and personality in the arena. Um, I think that's all part of pushing the sport as far as we can go, really. You, you've you seemed, you know, when I've spoken to you over messages or at the shows, you've been quite enthusiastic and quite um, bullish about, you know, pushing things forward and, and, and really supporting, you know, uh, the robot combat community and, of course, the Extreme Robot Show there obviously are some people that maybe are still on the outside looking in that have had a past history with robot combat. You know, what would your message be to those that will probably see this, that might be thinking about coming back into it, but maybe just need that, that little push. What would you say to them about the current state of, of robot combat? I think there's two ways to it. I think it's a, the sort of the competition side of it we've seen has really taken off this year, which is really promising. Um, I think the game backstage from the roboters and the drivers is getting better. As you've seen this year, it's very even. And as much as we all get on, there's, the competitiveness is really there. So that's good from that side of it. From a sporting aspect, that's good. And we always want new people to come in and be the next person that's going to challenge us. So we'd really like people to get involved. And also from the sort of public um, sort of public interest side of it, we're really seeing with Extreme Robots why I'm so enthusiastic about it and why I've been keen to be a part of this is we can kind of, is such a clear path as to where it's going now. And it's kind of, since obviously we're all disappointed that Robot Wars went off air again, but that's kind of been a bit of a turning point. Whereas before that, it was very much, we had the TV shows and we had shows that were similar to it, but didn't really capture the same magic maybe to some people on the screen because it's in a sports hall, not on their TV shows and on a big TV set. Mm -hmm. Now Extreme Robots, I think, is really forging its own path and taking it into a new direction, which is good. Um, and the spectacle of it, it's like nothing that I've ever seen before. I think the fights that we're getting, um, both the spinners and the non-spinners, you know, the hits, the sparks and the spinner fights are so spectacular. The non-spinner fights are equally spectacular with the big hits from the flippers and the driving game's the best it's ever been. You've seen some really close fights. Um, so I think from an audience spectacle, it's also really on upwards trajectory in that way. That's where I'm excited anyway. Yeah, me too. I mean, I've actually loved this year, and I think it's it's showing with the audiences. The feedback we've been getting has been phenomenal, and you know, and I think Glenn, you know, we we see the advances for for Guildford that's on sale for next year in Newcastle, and and they're fantastic, and that's testament to 
you know, the fine work of, of, of you guys that are driving these brilliant uh, robots while Glenn and I just do silly jokes on the sidelines. Well, you say that, Chris, but behind the scenes, and, and Michael knows this, obviously, and this is why Michael's a very well-respected, you know, part of not just the combat robot community, but and a respected part of the extreme robots community, is because you are, we understand now, and I've been learning about the, the complexities and what goes into building a combat robot and what goes into maintaining it and keeping it going and it featuring in three shows over a weekend, which before the fact I had no idea about. But also this time last year we were and i don't mind pulling the curtain back a little bit with this chris we were we were dealing with um, an external production company who came in and promised us the world and gave us precisely nothing so we've now had to go back to to bare bones and kind of myself you you and the management at extreme robots and rebuild this show to make it look you know this is the first time we were in an arena in in a while when we went to newcastle and it didn't feel like it wasn't an arena show. So regardless of, of where we go now, it, it does feel, and it, and I think that's testament to the commitment that all of the roboteers, like like obviously Michael yourself, have put in to putting faith in us to, to build you know something that looks the way it does. Um, and also we now really trusting you guys to to, to be able to once, because once, once, you know, it's it three, two, one, activate, w there's nothing we can do. It's down to you guys. <laughs> Yeah, at the end of the day, well, it's, there's both sides of it, you know, and both sides need to work. I think what's great for us from the production side of it is um, just even it, before we even get into the show, just the staging and the lights and the atmosphere that the Extreme Robots sort of experience creates now. Um, when we come out at the start of the show, the audience are already buzzing. And I think we said this at Newcastle, Chris, it was probably the wildest audience we've had in a long time. And yeah. that's the sort of atmosphere that we really want to captivate. And then obviously once we've got that and once the show's bringing that audience to us, um, it's down to us in the arena to keep the atmosphere going. Um, that must make I you buzz as well. You've got to remember, we're, you know, me, Will, everybody else, we're like, we're the biggest fans of fighting robots out there. We're the people who's dedicated so much of our lives to doing this. So for us to see people really enthused about it, um, that's that's absolutely awesome. There's two ways of winning a show for me. Um, obviously, I'd like to have both of them, but one is to win the show. And secondly, is just to see the show itself be so well received and people to be so enthused. It's so nice to see the VIPs coming around and to... I make a point of asking each VIP that comes around, have you been enjoying the show? And I've not had a single person for a long time now not look like they've genuinely had the best time. And that's awesome. You know, people people are paying to come and see what me and my dad do in the sheds with our little <laughs> humble workshop and the robot. So we want to make sure people have a good time when they've put their money in to go and see that. Well, one of the things that's evolved over the last few years and, and you know, you, you guys had to take a bit of a leap of faith with us really was uh, was with the team competition, which I think is has been exceptional this year. And one of my favourite things over the weekends that, you know, outside of the actual two hours of the show itself is watching you all stand around that board out the back and try and plan through, you know, your teams and when they're going to fight each other and and it started off sort of quite jolly and friendly and, you know, we'll, we'll see how it goes. But whereas now, 
that there's a real effort to to decide who's going to take on who which was the ultimate dream for me in that competitive sense of it really matters by the looks of it now at times to making sure, you know, you're not going to lose. So you've got to pick what ones are going to go in and make sure it's right. Yeah, I mean, and especially with, especially this year, it's been nice to see it changed up a little bit. Um, because like we, we know each other so well now um, and we fought each other so many times. There's some fights where, Obviously, nothing's ever guaranteed. Anything can happen in the arena. But there's some fights where you've got a better idea of which way it's going to go, you know? Um, and with a few new robots this year and a few changes, um, that's really mixing it up. So for me, with Implosion, it's kind of a whole new experience of learning which fights I've got the upper hand on, which ones are maybe more disadvantaged to me. Um, and for me, the first few events has kind of just been an information gathering stage. Um, I'm kind of hoping now, and that that's my excuse for us not being top of the leaderboard yet this year. Sure, okay. still like learning, adapting yeah. to a new. To so a new yeah, basically, ne next nine shows are all nine points for Team Inferno. That's how it's going to go now. Team Inferno proving themselves as the McLaren of yeah. uh, of robot combat <laughs> development over the season don't worry about the car for the first few don't worry about the car for the first few races it'll be fine by the time we get to by the time we get to spa <laughs> yeah exactly uh, so well, that, um, that, it has been different you know where will's done really well this year is he's kept the same two robots from last year and that's that's how we dominated last year you know we kept eruption ignition that we'd had lots of experience with and just improved and made sure they were reliable um, and that's exactly what Will's done, and that's why he's dominating. But as soon as Implosion's in that bracket of an experienced, reliable robot, then the game might change back again. You just don't know. Yeah, so development's cyclical, really, there, isn't it? Because it means that next next year or later on this season uh, is is the passion. And, and Will actually said this as well. He said he he alluded to exactly what you're saying. He's like, look, I've got solid robots. I know how to drive. He went, so I don't need to mess around this year. But like you said, the, the, the development of implosion, right? I, I don't want to keep you too long, Michael. So I do want to get this question. This is from uh, a team in Southampton, a, a new team called Bravado. Uh, and I believe that they have aspirations of eventually going to BattleBots themselves. But their question was, what do you think of the viability of British flippers in BattleBots? I know you've already mentioned this, so I'd like to get some more maybe on this. What do you think of the viability yeah. of British flippers in BattleBots? And would you ever be interested in competing in BattleBots yourself with love from a team developing a new flipper concept? Oh, how cancelled do you want me to be after this interview? Um, <laughs> I don't know, mate. I, 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 I mean, can you be cancelled? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I don't, I don't think we've got I don't think we've got quite that rabid of fan base. Um, I mean, I love BattleBots. It's very interesting to watch from afar. Um, I think the show is incredible. Um, I think they're doing absolute wonders for the sport. I've never actually applied, and there's two sides to that. Um, the first side is it's just like it's very cost prohibitive. Um, and you know, I wouldn't if I'm going if I'm going over there to enter. I'm only going if we've got a legitimate shot to win. I'm not just going to yeah. make up the numbers, you know? Um, so, and it's now it's getting into your the MO, that is it? Yeah, exactly. Um, if it's getting to the point now where to be competitive over there, you've got to go with three robots built. And to have robots built to the top level, for me and my 
data from that quite expensive um yeah so that's reason number one reason number two is i'm kind of a flipper i like an axe i like these more tactical weapons that's what i'm good at that's what i've got the experience in and the truth is they're not really that viable in battle bots anymore um and that's not necessarily a british wedge flipper i think that's any flipper any hammer um any crusher you know you look at the three robots that impressed me the most from battle bots are hydra um beta and quantum and if you look at them they're all incredible but they each equally don't really stand much of a chance to win because all it takes is and hydra's got close a couple of times which is a very impressive feat all things considered um all it takes is one robot with some forks and a spinner to sit there and point at them and there's not a lot they can do about it um they like saw quantum get absolutely torn apart in this last season by a vertical spinner with some forks as did hydra as did beta um like it's a pattern um and for me it's interesting that you bring up formula one because for me what now that the sports the sport was kind of new just before i was born right? it's kind of approaching 30 years and we've always had the same rule set it's never changed i think what you're starting to see now is it's going down trend as formula one where in Formula One, all the cars look very similar. There's very much, there's slight tweaks and variations, but generally there's a known formula as to what you've got to do to be competitive. Um, mm -hmm. And the question is now whether that's what big organizations like Battle want the future to be in 10 years. Do they want it to be for Formula One-ish and everybody to have very sucking vertical spinners with slight tweaks, or do they want a big variety and activity in different types of robots? Because if that is the direction it's going to take, I think probably about the time for a massive rules shakeup. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, that is interesting because what it, I imagine eventually technology within, and another thing, we are competing with a different rule set, even legally. Like, I mean, legally, as in per the law, there are things that you cannot do in this country yeah. that you can do in America. Like you said, you, yeah, you, you clued me up to this when I was asking you a few weeks ago about, well, essentially what they're making is little bombs. A Hydra, yes. A Hydra, I mean, no disrespect to Hydra, it's absolutely incredible. Um, no, it's, 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 I, think, the, I, think it's the, I think it's the best robot in BattleBots, hands down. Um, mm -hmm. But we wouldn't, especially with things that we do like the vip pit tour uh, extreme robots we could never allow that because it's a hydraulic accumulator <laughs> that is pressured when people will be walking past it so um but if anything i think we should find a way to legalize that because it's a way of giving a new area of development to a flipper which they desperately yep. need to stay competitive. so i think it's good that they're out to run that yeah, that, that's interesting because I think that's something that maybe people don't even consider is that in order to even just test it in the UK, it's it's a big ask before you would take it across to to the US where, you know, you you you, you might be you might be able to get some limited testing. You might be able to find somewhere to do it, but you don't really want to take a robot across or rather, like you said, three robots across if you haven't fundamentally yeah. tested them before you go. This is it. And I, with battle, I'm in very much, well, I'm in three minds. The first mind is obviously the sport I want to go. It's sure. probably the remaining big prize that I've not got. So mm -hmm. um, 
I think I'd really like to go from that perspective. It'd be awesome to be there. But then there's kind of this war in my mind of going, well, I don't want to build a spinner. Spinners aren't my, I'd want to build a really good flipper. But then, like I said, I'm not going to make up the numbers. So I'm not going unless I feel like we've got a path to the win. And that side of me says, well, I'd have to build a vertical spinner then. So, and it's that war in my mind. That's why I've never applied because that just, that internal battle is ongoing in my head. I can't, I can't see any reason why if you took three eruptions <laughs> across that you couldn't be competitive, yeah. but then that's because I also spent the last year watching and now moving front of house and commentating. I know your driving style now, or at least your driving style with, with certain robots. And so I, I, I can, you can see openings. You're like a very, very good central midfielder. You can see openings where there, and sometimes I can't see them at all. And all of a sudden you'll be in doing something quite atrocious to another robot. And I'll be like, I don't know how he got there. Yeah. I, <laughs> one thing I was going to ask about your driving style, actually, because we did talk about yeah. it in, in the live show at the last event. And, and, you know, of all of the drivers, I can see certain patterns that you do throughout a, throughout a fight and throughout a weekend that consistently everyone always falls for you love getting people trapped in that corner near the driving pen and then exploiting yeah. them and they all co go fall for it and I, I still don't understand it i mean we talk about it in the show and they still do it <laughs> what is your magic in that corner there's well a i think it's interesting because i've heard you talk about this and i've never really picked up on it even myself because for me it's just Driving a robot is just kind of, especially with eruption, I've driven it for so long. It's kind of just more instinctive than actually thinking mm -hmm. about what you're doing at this point. Um, and the thing is, even if people pick up on it, I don't think there's a lot they can do about it because fundamentally, if I get under them and flip them that way, they're in there. So yeah, yeah. Um, the only way they could not end up there is if they run away for three minutes, which they try sometimes and that irritates me. So. <laughs> well that's yeah that's i, I think that's quite interesting because we, uh when being chris are out front or even when we're talking about it on here or wh whenever we're, we're, we're discussing this with people that i think because i i didn't come from this and neither did chris we didn't come into uh combat robots from an engineering side so to to me one of the things that we try and do to be good good commentators to be good live event hosts is if, if there's something that we can compare to to another sport or another discipline or, or another, that that gives people an access point to it that maybe, I, like for example, when I said to you, Michael, we I say, I say it nearly every week, what is hard ox? And <laughs> because it's, it's all very well and good telling people, oh, it's made from hard ox. And they're like, cool, what else is made from hard ox? Because we've got no no entry point there. And I think that's one thing we're, we're getting with the the live shows and indeed just just our, our verbiage and our dialogue with with fans and people who come to the shows is and you're very good at it on the VIP tours as well because 99% of people who come around those VIP tours don't have a clue what's going underneath the bonnet of eruption. Yeah, I think this it's actually a funny misconception that because you talked like everybody sees a robot on the arena and you think it's this big complicated thing that's mystic and you wouldn't be able to touch it without <laughs> a master's degree in engineering and okay i have a master's degree in engineering but i didn't when i got started 
Um, right. How many minutes was that, Chris? Forty-seven. Yeah, that's pretty good going. I mean, it's another thing. Forty-seven. To add to the CV I'm just making note of that, now, isn't it? So. 47 minutes before the Masters in Engineering came up. <laughs> oh, oh, shit. Sorry. Um, you have to beat that. Um, and now he's sworn, so... Wait, wait, did, I, I never bring it up. Like, was, was there a bingo card on this or what? No, there wasn't. There was a bingo card on lots of other things, but not that. Wow, what was on it? Well, we've still got to hit those. <laughs> I'm not no, doing I'm just. No, they <laughs> just can't, can't, can't hack this. I'm away. No, my point was going to be, it's actually not as complicated as people think. The beauty of making okay. a good robot is reliability and doing it to a high quality. Not that they're necessarily that complicated. If you look at a flipper, it's a flat eruption manta. They're good because they're refined. They're really not that complex aside. A spinner, which is why I tease them all the time is literally a motor, a belt, and a big piece of metal. The beauty in making something good and the engineering challenge is making it reliable and able to withstand the forces. Actually, if you explained it to most of the people on the VIP tour, they'd probably find that they actually did understand how they worked and that it's not quite as daunting as they think to get involved. That's looking a great forward thing. To, yeah, because yeah, I'm looking forward to speaking to Craig about that because... Uh, that man's uh, maybe on the other side of things coming up with crazy ideas. So, <laughs> <laughs> Well, yeah, but Craig's always a bit weird. <laughs> so Craig, Craig's probably the exact complicated and are difficult to understand what's going on. <laughs> yeah, Craig is, Craig is an, an anomaly in, in combat robots, but also yeah. deserves his flowers because I have seen robots oh, out there that... Yeah. That look strangely an awful lot like Gabriel and never seem to give a nod to him. But hey ho, life goes on. Um, I'm glad Michael's on a delay so he can't jump on that. <laughs> <laughs> Michael, thank you ever so much. It's not often that, well, it, it is for me and Chris, but it's not often that people actually get an opportunity to, to ask questions to and indeed to, to be with such an, an engaging person like yourself who cares about who cares about the sport and cares about this company and obviously uh, more uh, more than anything else, judging by the name of your first ever Antway, cares about winning. Yeah, of course, always. <laughs> At six years old, you could define my personality. That's what you can take out of this podcast. <laughs> That's a good point to stop, Glenn. <laughs> yeah, Michael, thank you so much, mate. Um, we will uh, we'll see you anon. Me and Chris are going to wrap this up here, but we will see you later. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks, Michael. Thanks, guys. So, Michael Oates on a kind of a slightly odd uh, satellite delay there, but well, we we make it work. Uh, also, if you are a, a big fan of Team Inferno, you can, of course pre-order the merchandise the brand new merchandise for this year uh, the red design on the front and of course burn it down for the wonderful team inferno on the back and there is still a number of last year's shirts if you're going for a slightly more refined refined definitely not refined a yep. refined black look then you can scan the qr code it's there the championship there are... winning top there as well it, Glenn, it is it's, so. the, it's, the, it's the one he was um winning when he won the team battle this year but we're not sure about that and of course if you want to show support at the live shows you can of course get the team inferno foam waiver which is available at the shows and online at extreme robots.co.uk now chris to a little bit of business. Yes. We ran a competition recently, didn't we? 
We did indeed. Um, yeah, I'm still uh, slightly disappointed that we have to give it away. Normally, it's quite nice to give people, um, you know, competition prizes. But I am actually really sad to say goodbye to our good friend uh, C3PO. And it, I've been... got to say, you know, I've got a collection of the Loungefly bags, but that is a class one. Also, I'm really glad that we're shooting this in daylight as well, so that I can show off particularly how shiny how shiny it is. That's been I've deliberately put it there when I've been recording stuff recently because I just love it. I would, oh yeah, I, I, I would take it to work. I'm not sure I could take that to Newcastle United without being slightly. No. Maybe if maybe if I could, yeah, if I could put a wig on it and put like make it C <laughs> three. Tonali, I don't know. Um, so yes, we do have a winner. Thank you, everybody who uh, who um, put this in, and we will be contacting you directly. But the winner of the Loungefly bag, courtesy of Get Ready Comics, uh, GetReadyComics.com for everything that you need in terms of games, Loungefly, or tabletop, or indeed anything to do with Disney. So the winner is. Helen Dunn. So, Helen, we will be contacting you in order to get this out to you. Thank you so much for uh, supporting us. I believe she also came to the shows in Newcastle. So, we've had a, a clean sweep of lounge fly bags going to the northeast. So, next Feel time free we have to some. donate it down south to me, though, Helen. If you, you, know, <laughs> if you, find, if you find that way inclined, that'd be great. So, congratulations, Helen. I'll be in contact with you about how to uh, get that along to you and i hope that you enjoy it and thank you very much for supporting extreme robots and sharing our stuff of course this will be posted on youtube and we will put a link to it on facebook please do share it we'd love for more people to see uh the the, the interview with michael there because michael is uh, an incredibly eloquent young man and uh i think he's a very very good ambassador for all things combat robots what say you chris i i totally second that and and this year as well it, his enthusiasm uh for everything that's been going on has been fantastic he's he's been really great company put on fantastic uh shows and i know the audiences have really appreciated as well and you know he spoke very well about the sport there so it sort of encourages me that we've got a bright future ahead of us glenn yeah i think it's very exciting and speaking of the future in september we will be heading the ticket link is just up here the next show we are heading to the charter hall in essex colchester you will be getting the extreme arena landing on you very very heavily amongst its steel <laughs> and, <laughs> and bulletproof plastic it'll be landing very heavily september 16th and 17th you can scan the qr code up there which has been up there the entire time so if you're going back to look through your favorite moment in this podcast you can always find that there um chris so what's your plan now because we've got a transfer window coming up we do indeed. Yes, I think we need to sort of get a sense of um, people, what they're thinking at the moment and maybe uh, find out what sort of conversations have been had. I've I've had a few sort of uh, rumblings that there are a couple of people that may be swapping teams heading into Colchester uh, and, and it's going to really mix things up. We also, as we, we learned from Will, there's a few people potentially fighting over the bad mouse, as we uh, we call them at the moment. But can they yeah. turn to the light? That's the question. Yes, TR4 has also been questioned as well about it's it's whether or not the Wolfpack is the the right fit for them there as well. We know, of course, that the standards of of Michael Oates, so the eruptions, the ignitions, the implosions, they will be staying in Team Inferno. Similarly, with Team Divinity, you will line up with the the, the Saints and 
but it has to be said that most of the points have been coming from from John Findlay and uh, both of the Rippers so far, particularly Ripper Six in Newcastle. Uh, Quake, of course, will maintain Tectonic, Manta, and unfortunately, the the now retired Aftershock. But Chris, I've heard a rumor too. I've well, heard a rumor that that every team captain but one, and that's uh, and that's Craig Collius, who, let's be honest, needs to stop inventing things. Um, <laughs> Uh, yes, I've heard that there are there are more team captains working on more robots, and they yes, may. Yes, I might have heard that. I might have even seen a a, a, a picture of of. I think, of the I think they refer to it. We're, we're we're the numpties here, so I think they call it a CAD. Yeah, well, yeah, it's a picture on my phone. So, but it does look very exciting. Um, you know, there's obviously development phases they're going to have to go through, but it just goes to show how seriously they're taking this. They all want to win it, and they feel that they need to bring something new to the table to to get them across the line. Um, it's yeah, it's exciting. I'm looking forward to the to the second half of the year. And I think it was. Uh... It's really important to hear Michael's opinions on stuff like this as well, because it gives us, even as you know, yourself a, a matchmaker and myself, you know, looking after the presentation of the live show, knowing, knowing the limitations and knowing how certain roboteers, for example, Michael there just made me think the Premier League season's just started last weekend and there are a couple of challenges that I saw so obviously I support Newcastle United I go to a lot of the matches I work there and commentate on the games so I see it up close and I see the difference in a tackle in a friendly a week beforehand to a tackle in the Premier League which could potentially save you a goal and you're willing to put your body on the line etc etc but there is a level of longevity we've seen a lot of injuries in the first weekend of the, the, the yeah. premier league which means now the teams although if they bought wisely or they've you know like our transfer window they've brought in members or new new team members and what have you you it is in order to win this team competition it's not a sprint no uh, and actually we really saw that sort of on the on the third the third show in newcastle where the the grueling nature of the year so far and as we you know we've alluded to multiple times it's been very competitive this year and certain um roboteers and certain machines were starting to see the you know the wear of of that year i mean i suppose from their point of view there although i i hate the weight of the next event but you know you know getting that that little summer break to sort of rejuvenate themselves get the robot back in uh, fighting shape give themselves a bit of a rest and as you've already alluded to as well the fact that some of them are, are moving on to new machines will give them a new energy going into the Colchester event. Yeah, Michael spoke about the development of Implosion. The second half of the season is going to be a big one because we've got, so far, this is this is just left this year. I'm just going to bring this up for, 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 uh, for myself now. So this year, we are heading back to Colchester next month in just about four weeks. Colchester Leisure Centre, it's actually the Charter Hall attached to the Leisure Centre on September 16th and 17th. Then we move on to Maidstone on October 21st and 22nd, and we'll be rounding up the 2023 UK tour in November at Cheltenham on November 11th and 12th. But wait, there's more. Because we've already put tickets on sale for our 2024 live tour. And we'll be starting that in April. Oh, well, so far, 
will be starting that in April. Yeah. To be to be confirmed all of these things. So Doncaster Dome, these are the three shows for 2024 that are already on sale. Doncaster Dome, April 20th and 21st. Guildford Spectrum, of course, we had fantastic shows there this year already on June 15th and 16th. That 16th is Father's Day. So if you're looking for a gift for Father's Day and you're around the Surrey area, I can tell you pretty much the greatest Father's Day gift you can get. Uh, it's it's tickets to Extreme Robots. And then we're back at Newcastle, the Virgin Motors Arena, July 6th and 7th next year. Already booking for a year ahead, Chris. Yeah, I was just about to say there um, that don't sleep on getting tickets. I know it sounds crazy because it's a year ahead, but looking at the advances, they're moving quickly. So, you know, if you want to look at the VIP tickets and so on, particularly, they're going fast. I mean, you know the enthusiasm for the shows at the events that we've been to so far have been, has been fantastic. And I think people are now starting to gravitate towards teams. So they want to come back and support their team for the following year and the evolution of that. So it's been hugely encouraging for us to see the demand for that next year. And as you've said, you know, potentially more shows in the future because the demand is there. And in fact, actually, you know, if there's a part of the country that, you watching this think we should go to drop us a line tell us the venue we can always take a look at it but it's glenn honestly i'm so excited about the the future i mean i love you know this has been great to be able to talk to the to the roboteers uh and and the evolution of what we're doing it's it's rosy for us at the moment glenn i'm 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 really happy with everything it's looking good it really is uh and quite often we will ask on social media about places that you would like to see us but uh, uh don't shout at us because uh, we, you, you, you don't think anybody until they get into this understands the complexities of trying to book uh, an arena inside a venue, inside robots, explosions. Well, the first yeah. question is, will you allow us to have Zadkiel smashing your floor up? That's generally the, the first question <laughs> that we have to face. But yes, um, we found an absolute gem. Uh, with our new Newcastle venue, and we're very much looking forward to to heading to the Dome in, in Doncaster, which I know has got a bit of robot combat pedigree mm -hmm. from the past. It's a bit like going to Blackpool with the the dancing. I think going to the to the Dome, <laughs> so, the Winter uh, Gardens. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, we we are um, actively um, talking to to a few uh, exciting places at the moment. So let's see what happens for the future. Absolutely. Thank you to Michael Oates, our guest this week. And thank you to you, Chris. Thank you. And we will be back next week with another episode of Reactivate the Extreme Robots podcast. A final thank you to our sponsors, Get Ready Comics, who supplied, of course, this fantastic lounge fly bag, which is... And most of my on... room. What's that? And most of my room. And most of our room. Well, this is on our way to our competition winner, Helen Dunn. Well done for winning that. We will be in contact with you. Thank you to Get Ready Comics. Thank you to Michael. Thank you to Chris. And we will see you next time for another episode of Reactivate the Extreme Robots podcast. See you next time, guys. Bye-bye.